Hey, what's going on, Victory family? I'm so excited to be with you this morning. I actually almost considered not returning to preach to you after Darla did such a great job last Sunday. Hey, if you enjoyed Miss Darla's message, do me a favor and put some of those little praise hand emojis in the comments right there in the chat. Put those if you enjoyed Miss Darla's message. And hey, if there's too many of them, I may just quit preaching altogether. It may just be Darla every Sunday. All right. Hey, I, I am excited though to be back. I've got a word on my heart and, and we're actually going into a new series because of what God is doing in my spirit based around this subject. And the new series that we're starting today is called Soul Hunger. And what we're going to talk about is just that, the soul and what it looks like to have a healthy soul. In the 1700s, theologian John Wesley would hold small groups, and, and right before his small groups would start, as people began to walk into the door, he would greet them with this statement, how is it with thy soul? How, how is it with thy soul? That would be the greeting. As people were walking into the door, getting ready for their small group, he would greet them at the door and he would ask them, how is your soul? And I just think it's important for all of us right now, especially with what we're going through with COVID-19 and so many different changes in our daily life and our daily routine. I think it's really important for us to stop for a second and ask ourselves, how is our soul? In fact, it was Jesus that said in Matthew 16, 26, watch this. It says, if anyone wants to be a follower, he must forget about himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to keep his life safe, he will lose it. If anyone wants to give up his life because of me, he will save it. And then watch this. Here it goes. For what does a man have if he gets all of the world and loses his own soul? What does a man have if he gains all of the world and yet loses his soul? Jesus is asking, or better yet, Jesus is telling us that the health of our soul is important. So hey, do me a favor, in the chat, in the comments, I want you to put the title of the sermon today. You ready? Put this down. Put, this is an inside job. This is an inside job. You know, we've been through a lot over the past, what, couple of months. We've experienced a lot physically. We've experienced a lot mentally. We've experienced a lot spiritually. And now we're starting to kind of move ahead and we're starting to somewhat see a light at the end of the tunnel and things are reopening and you've returned to Target and you've returned to restaurants. And, and we're starting to see that possibly potentially weeks down the road, churches could be back open and, and life might return to some sort of normal. But I think it's really important for us to make sure that while everything on the outside is kind of returning to regular routines, that we don't miss the importance of checking the inside. You know, Casey Ray loves cream cheese. And the cream cheese that we get her comes in this particular container. And, and so often what she'll do, she knows what it looks like. So she'll go into the fridge and she'll grab that cream cheese and pop it open and she'll start to eat the cream cheese and she loves it. And one day Darla had bought vegan cream cheese, but the package looked the same. So, so on the outside, it looked identical to the cream cheese that she loved, but on the inside, it was something different. And I'll never forget it. I was watching her. She opens the refrigerator. She grabs it. And I was a little confused, honestly, because I thought she was about to eat vegan cream cheese and I thought she knew it. And so I, I had to watch her. And she opens up the top and gets a big spoonful and she goes to eat it. And the facial expression she made was priceless. She starts spitting out the cream cheese everywhere. And here was the fact. The fact was that the outside was similar, right? That the outside was good to her, 
but the inside was bad. And I think it's important for us to understand that we could appear healthy on the outside and yet be very unhealthy on the inside. And to kind of take what Jesus said and say it and apply it to today, wouldn't it be a shame or, or better yet, what good is it for us to return to our jobs, for us to return to the gym, for us to return to daily activities, for us to return to the Mexican restaurants and have cheese dip again and yet have an unhealthy soul. Matter of fact, in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, John says it like this. He says, Dear friend, I am praying that all is well with you and that your body, watch this, is as healthy as I know your soul is. So he's saying, I'm praying that your body is as healthy as your soul is. Here's what John is telling us, that the soul can be maintained. Our soul can be maintained. So here's the question that I want to kind of set up today, and I want to start discussing it today and for the next few weeks to follow. What is the blueprint to a healthy soul? What does that look like? What is the blueprint for you and I to be able to get through all of this physically and mentally? But how do we make sure that we get through all this with a healthy soul? I want to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And I want to start it off by saying this. I think the first step to a healthy soul is to have a happy soul. So, so how do we do that? How do we have a happy soul? To have a happy soul, it starts with this. You ready? To have a happy soul, we must return to relationship with God. We have to return our soul into a relationship with God. Watch this. We're going to go all the way back to the creation of man, Genesis chapter two. So if you have your Bibles open, Genesis chapter two, and we're going to walk through what it looks like and why it's important to have a relationship with God. So Genesis chapter two, verse seven, and here's what it says. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So he takes the dirt, the dust, he forms man, right? So we're formed. He gives him arms and legs and he has this shell, outer shell. Are you ever seen a cicada bug and how it'll come in and then it'll leave and it'll leave like this shell version of itself, right? You know, like the whole body looks the same, but there's no soul in it. There's no spirit. In it. It's just the, the outer covering. That's what we were. He formed us, but we were just this outer shell. And then look what it says. And then he breathed into Adam's nostrils and the breath of life and the man became a living what? Soul. So he forms the man, right? He forms Adam, but it wasn't until he breathed into his nostrils and the breath of God became the soul that was in the body and he became alive, right? So, so inside of us, our soul is what? It's the breath of God. And to have a happy soul and a healthy soul, the best thing and the most important thing is to return that soul to its creator. Let me set up a scenario for you real quick. Have you ever been on a vacation or a business trip or you've just been traveling in general and it's you have a great time, it's fun, but when you return home and you walk in the front door of your house, and just this insane peace overwhelms you because you've returned home, right? And you kind of, you take in that smell. It's the smell of your home. You sit on your couch. You walk into your kitchen. You lay on your bed. You use your toilet, right? I mean, let's just be honest. There's just something about your home. There's just this peace because you've returned to your 
home. That's the same feeling you get in your soul when you return your soul to God. Your soul is home. It's just incredible. Listen, the closer, I like to say it like this, your soul will be the happiest the closer it is to holiness, right? Your soul is the breath of God. So the closer it is to God, the happier your soul will be. Uh, let me give you kind of some examples of what I mean by that. If you just look at some of the, the generic ways that in the world we go through to bring rest and peace and, and health to our soul. Let's just talk through some of these real quick. For example, if, if you feel like you need to have some soul care time, you might go, you hear people go and, and they'll do yoga, right? And things like that. And that the whole purpose of that is peace. They, they just want, they want peace. And then you'll see people who, you know, they might go to the beach and sit in the sand or, or they might go take a walk, you know, through the forest or, or through the park or they might go climb a cliff and, and look over the lake or whatever it might be. And that's just a time of rest. And then you have people who, when their soul needs, you know, some health care, they, they might need some soul care. They might go and spend some time with family and loved ones. And that's love. And so, so in the world, it's some generic things that we do when we feel like we need some soul care is we find it some peace and some rest and some love. Now think about this. God is peace. God is rest. God is love. And so naturally, when we want our souls to find health, we go and connect them with attributes of God because God created it. So it only makes sense that it would be at its healthiest and its happiest when we return it to its creator. How many of you remember having a cordless phone? You remember that? Like, okay, because we went from, from the whole rotary wheel phone where you won, you know, and then you got into the corded phone where it'd be hanging in the kitchen and you could walk from the kitchen to the living room and a little cord would go. But then we, we, we kind of elevated to a new level and that was the cordless phone and you could walk anywhere throughout your house. You know, if you're a teenager listening, maybe if you're even a young adult listening, you're going, yeah, it's, it's called a cell phone. No, it wasn't a cell phone. It was, a, it only worked in your home, but it was cordless. So you could walk outside. If, if you didn't go too far, you could walk upstairs. It was incredible. And you had the phone, but it was cordless. So you felt free. But here was the secret to a cordless phone is at some point you had to return it to the charger, right? Because if you didn't, you could use it all day. But as you were using it, the battery that was in the phone was starting to die and go. To, and if you didn't return it to the charger, then guess what? It would die. This is the same principle for our souls. Look, we can go to work. We can, we can go you know, out to family events. We can spend the entire day doing everything that we're supposed to do. But at some point, we have to return that soul to the charger. There has to be a moment where we return to relationship with God, where we connect, where we return to the presence of the creator. And it's in that returning of relationship where our soul gets recharged and our soul finds health. Look, when we're going throughout our day, that soul is becoming exhausted, you know, being having to deal with this and having to be involved with that. And I'll, I'll even say this to you. When we find ourselves in a place of, of anxiety, that's our soul crying out, right? To be reconnected in the presence of God. When we find ourselves dealing with depression, when we find ourselves dealing with anger, when, when, when you're on the interstate and you just wanna lose your mind, when we find moments like that, I believe that that's our soul 
saying, hey, I need to be returned to the presence of God. For those of you that had cordless phones, you remember that that famous beeping noise, right? You'd be in the living room and you'd be sitting and you'd just hear beep, beep. And everybody'd be looking around going, what is that? And people couldn't figure out what, what, what? I, I think it's coming from under the couch. And so somebody would get on the ground and look and they'd pull out and there it is. There's the cordless phone and it's dying. So it's beeping, beep, beep, right? Look at this, Psalm 84 Verse two, watch this. My soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. In other words, my soul cries out. My soul beeps, beep, beep. It's it's desiring, it's yearning. It's crying out to be in the presence of God. If we want our soul to be healthy, we have to listen to it when it's trying to tell us that it's unhealthy. Our soul is saying, I need to be returned to the presence of God. That's step one. If our soul is unhealthy, we've got to get it back to the presence of the creator. I'll never forget uh, one of the times I was talking with my mom about our cordless phone. And every time I needed it, it'd be dead, right? Can I get an amen? I need to start seeing some some emoji hands in, in the comments, right? Like you remember what it was like to need the cordless phone and you finally find it and you go to use it and it's dead. And, and we weren't able to like plug it in and use it like we are with cell phones. You had to plug it into the charger system and you had to wait till it was charged again. And I remember, you know, being upset about that. My mom told me this, I'll never forget it. She said, why don't you just put it on the charger every night? Like every night, regardless if it's charged or or if it's almost dead, before you go to bed, make sure it's on the charger so that it'll be ready to be used in the morning. That was such a great lesson for me, but it's a lesson for us spiritually that we should have this scheduled time where, where we're replugging, whether we feel fully charged or not. You know, I've shared a lot of times about, about my morning routine and how I'll wake up and, and go to the local YMCA and I'll walk that, that path and I'll pray. And there's been times where I walked in there and I, my spirit was downcast and I felt unhealthy and I was full of anxiety and depression. And there's been times where I walked in there and I felt good. It, it was a great morning. It had been a great week. I didn't have any real problems. But regardless, I was making sure that I put my soul on that charger because what I didn't want to do is forget about it and go a couple days and find myself in a place where my soul was was beginning to be close to dying, running out, being exhausted. And what it needed to be is returned to the presence of God. So, So before we go, and I've got weeks of information about how to have a healthy soul, but before we go any further, step one is this, we have got to return to a relationship with God. That's important. That that soul is crying out for the courts of the Lord. It's yearning. It's beeping. Help, recharge me. Plug me back in. I need to be reconnected with my creator. It starts with returning to a relationship with God. And then it got me thinking. If if this is such a good thing, right? And and as we're talking about it, I'm sure everybody's amening and shaking their head. We, We need to do that. We need to do that. Well, if we know that's what we need, and if we know that it's a great thing for our soul, and we know that it's a recharging, then here's my question. Why is it so hard to do? Right? If, if, if we know it's what we need, why is it that we don't do it? 
It's crazy. Every time Darla and I sit down to counsel a couple, whether it is dealing with marriage or finance or, or mental, whatever it might be, my very first question to them is always, what is your relationship with God look like? What does your quiet time look like? And 99% of the time they'll tell me, I don't have one. And it's always interesting to me that we know it's what we need, but it's so hard to do. So here's my question. Why? And here's the reason I think. I think the reason why we struggle returning to a relationship with God, we struggle plugging our soul back up into the presence of God, is because we do not have the right view of what a relationship with God looks like. So number one is we have to return to a relationship with God. Number two is this, we have to return to the right relationship with God. All right, now look, this, this is about to get really, really deep, but I, but I love this. All right, so go with me, Genesis chapter two, where God breathed the soul into Adam, but then something happens after. So he breathes his soul into the nostrils of Adam and gives him life. Now watch this, verse eight and nine, the Lord God planted a garden to the east in Eden and he put the man, he takes Adam and he places Adam, uh, the one whom he had made and the Lord God made to grow out of the ground. So he places Adam in the garden and in the garden, God makes growing out of the ground every tree, watch this, that is pleasing to the eye. Every tree that he makes is pleasing to the eye, and watch this, and good for food. So he makes Adam, and he breathes into his nostrils a soul, and he becomes a living being. And watch this, God picks him up and places him in the environment that is set up for a healthy soul. He breathes the soul into Adam, and then he places him in the right environment that is perfect for his soul to remain healthy. Look at what it said. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and food that was good, right? Let's, let's think for a second about scenes that are pleasing to the eye, because if we're not careful, we'll just read right past it. But he put him in this garden with trees and scenery that was pleasing to the eye. Let's take a second. I'm going to give you just a, just a second of some scenes that are pleasing to the eye. You ready? Get your coffee. Get ready. Here we go. Imagine you're on the beach. Your toes are in the sand. The sunshine is on your face. You can feel that breeze. You can hear the ocean waves. Now you're in the mountains and you can smell the trees. You can feel that breeze. You can overlook the water. You can hear the waterfalls and the little steps of the animals. And then now, paradise. There it is. Boom. Scenes that are pleasing to the eye, right? Right? And then good food. Now let's talk about some good food. We're talking steak, right? We're talking, you know, lobster, rolls, big rolls with, with cinnamon butter. And then for all my vegan friends, random squares of tofu over here on the side. It's good food. I don't know what Adam ate. I doubt he was vegan. But, but listen, God sets up this environment and it has beautiful scenery, beaches and mountains, things that are beautiful to us. It has great food. This is the environment for a healthy soul. All right, are you ready? Here's what I'm trying to tell you, that the environment for a healthy soul is enjoying a relationship with God. All right? It's about enjoying being in the presence of God. Adam loved it. It was beautiful. It was good food. Him and Jesus would chat and hang out. Being in a relationship with God was an 
awesome thing. You know, at the end of last year, Darla and I decided that we were going to take our girls to Disney. And we had saved up. And, and I'll be honest with you, I started talking to friends of mine, some who had kids, some who didn't, and just trying to get a vibe of, of what I was going to, what I needed to be expecting taking, you know, two young girls to Disney for a week. And it was funny, some of the stories I heard, all horror stories. And by the time I was done talking to people, I had made it up in my mind that this was going to be the worst experience of my life. Like I, I was I was geared up, I was ready for it, that it was gonna be money down the toilet, and that by the time I came back from Disney, I would need some type of counseling. And so we, I remember walking to the airport and my girls are in front of us and they have the backpacks and they're so excited. And Darla's like, are you ready? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And all I could think about was I was about to go through a terrible experience for the next five days. And I kept that attitude up on the plane and then we would land. And I remember waiting in a line to be able to be shuttled to the Disney resort. And I was just coming up with all of these negative experiences. And, and we got there and we got settled in and we went to sleep and we woke up and we were, we were being shuttled to the first Disney park. And I had had this moment where I just said, you know what? And it was probably more influence from my wife, but, but the mindset became just try to enjoy it. Right. I know people have said it's going to be terrible and the kids are going to throw fits and, and they're going to get tired after the first couple of hours and you're going to spend way too much money and all these negative things. But just, just for a second, try to go into it with the perspective that I might actually enjoy this. And I'm telling you, it was one of the best vacations I've ever had. Were there moments where it was a little difficult with the kids? Yes, but there were so many great moments. And I had all these people tell me that it was going to be terrible and that I wasn't going to enjoy it. And when I actually experienced it for myself, it was incredible. So, so here's my point to that. I think sometimes we struggle enjoying a relationship with God because we've allowed our friends and our family and you know certain religious experiences to set the tone of what a relationship with God actually looks like, right? Like, like people will let us know that, that a relationship with God would be about, you know, rights and wrongs and cans and cannots and condemnation and rules and judgment. And we, we kind of develop this concept in our head that there's things that we enjoy and then there's a relationship with God. Right. That, that if we're going to be in the right relationship with God, if we're going to be holy, if we're going to be spiritual, that we can't have fun as well. Yet when I read about Adam, God created this environment that was going to be fun. It was beautiful. It was food. It was hanging out. They were walking in the cool evening in the garden. They were having a great time. He was enjoying being in relationship with God. And I think once we move into the place where we understand, hey, listen, I'm going to set you free. You ready? Stop what you're doing. Tell the kids to be quiet. A relationship with God is enjoyable. It is. It's, it's incredible, actually. The more you do it, the more you find out that it's the best thing you've ever done. But, but again, we've allowed all these thoughts, right, to kind of get into our head of, of, of what we think it should be. And we develop this idea. And then watch this. I wanted to put some of these things down. Can you see this? And these are just some of the things that we'll end up saying, you know, dictate a relationship with God. Rules and guilt, cans and cannots, judgment, shame, condemnation, rights and wrongs. And let me ask you a question. Does this look enjoyable? No. Does it look enjoyable at all? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a relationship if that's what it's going to be about. So, so let me take you to a moment. 
Okay, because what happens is sin enters, right? There's this relationship with God that's incredible, it's enjoyable, and then sin sin enters and something changes. And I want to take you to this moment with Adam that is so priceless, okay? The, the, the enemy has come. He's tempted Adam and Eve. They've, they've eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and sin has entered. And then watch this. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, this was something that would happen, right? This was a time that Adam used to enjoy walking with the Lord. And it says, And they, Adam and Eve, hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So now this place that Adam's been put to work and to to be the authority of, the place where he used to enjoy relationship with God, now he's hiding, right? And watch this. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you, Adam? And Adam answers, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Whoa. Since when have you been afraid of having a relationship with me? Right? We, we, we used to have beautiful sceneries and great food and good conversation. And now you're now you're afraid? Now, now you're hiding from me? Now you're distant from me? Why? And Adam says this, because I was naked. So I hid. And I love this. God said back to him, Who told you that? Who who told you that? Who gave you that perspective? Who gave you that perception of me? Why do you think? that you wouldn't enjoy having a relationship with me. Where do we get, hey, who told you that? Where did you get all of this, right? Why are you thinking that way? Because now what's happened is your soul needs relationship with God. You have to return to the presence of God, but you are afraid and you don't think you'll enjoy that relationship because somebody has told you what that relationship will be like, and they lied. And the Spirit of God is saying this morning, who told you that? You know, when I was a little bit younger, we lived in this neighborhood, all these houses, and there was a lot of young kids my age that that lived in that area, and we would go out and we'd play football together in the street most of the time. And none of us had really big front yards. So what we would do, we were young, we were dumb, we were disrespectful. And so we would just go into other people's yards and play. But but there was this one house, right? I'll never forget it. One house kind of in the middle as you were walking down the main street. It was over to the left. And all we knew that a guy lived there by the name of Mr. Williams. That's all we knew. They'd say, man, that's Mr. Williams' house. And it was crazy, the stories, right, that had been created about Mr. Williams. Nobody had ever really seen him. But he was huge, and he had big teeth and dark eyes. You know how it was. He had real wrinkled skin. You know, the rumors were that he was mean, that he hated kids. I think there were even rumors that he ate children. Not really sure about that. But I think we've all had that person in our life where the the rumors of how bad they are grows, and it ends up becoming crazy stories. But, But here's what I would know is if we were walking down the street, we'd be walking, right? And we'd be throwing a football and playing. But when we got by Mr. Williams' house, we would all kind of take up space. We'd all go a little bit further over and avoid his yard and his driveway because the last thing we wanted to do was to make Mr. Williams mad. It was just, you know, again, he might eat us. And so one day we're out there, we're throwing the football and I was getting ready to throw it and I threw it and I overthrew one of my friends. And Mr. Williams had a garage that had these windows. And that football hit one of those windows and it broke the window. 
And I remember we were so scared. We, we didn't even grab our football. We just took off running back to the house and we hid. And it wasn't very long until my mom got a phone call. Come to find out Mr. Williams saw the whole thing. She comes and gathers me. And she says, hey, I found out what you did. And you're going to have to go and talk to Mr. Williams. I was so scared. I thought, mom, you're literally just going to give me a way to, I mean, he, he could kill me. He could eat me, right? I was so worried about this. And so she gets me ready. She tells me, you know, all right, you're going to go down there. You're going to knock on the door. And so I walk down there and I knock on the door. And Mr. Williams, slowly the door opens. And like in the dark, and out comes this really big man, right? And he's looking at me and he's got this angry face. And I'm just ready. I'm, I'm like gearing up to just get all of the hatred and all of the anger. And he just looks at me and says, can I help you, son? And I said, Mr. Williams, my name's Troy. I'm sorry, you know, I threw the football, broke your window. He said, come in, son. And I'll never forget this. I walked into his house. And I remember thinking like, it's over for me. Like my mom, she's not even, she doesn't even care right now. Like I'm, I'm done. And he made me sit down on the couch in his living room and we began to have a conversation. And he never asked me to pay for anything. And he never asked me to fix anything. We just sat there and talked. And I'll never forget, by the time I left, my friends, they were all like, what happened? Did Mr. Williams kill you? And I remember telling them, he's the coolest guy I've ever met. And I remember every time after that, we would walk by Mr. Williams' house and we wouldn't go away from his house, right? We'd stop and we'd wave and he'd stand in the doorway wave. And it was crazy that this guy that everybody had told me was, was scary and that you shouldn't go near and he was dangerous and he was mean and all of these things. And I found out, you know what? He's actually really cool. I think often that's that's kind of the same situation we are with God, that we've been told these things about God, right? That that He's a ju He's He's a judge and He'll condemn us and and all these things about our rights and our wrongs and our cans and our cannots, and we've gotten to this point where in our mind we're like we can't approach Him, and we actually think that the only time that we'll ever have to face Him is when we're ready to be forgiven for all of our mistakes, and I think if we'll just take a moment. And, and return our soul to God in the right way, I think we'll find out that, you know what? God's pretty cool, right? He, he's pretty cool. And we'll start to get to a place where we can enjoy our relationship with God. Listen to me, your soul is crying out. It's beeping, beep, beep, because it needs to be returned. It's, it's yearning for the courts of the Lord. And you don't want to return that relationship because you've got the wrong view of what that relationship's like. And I'm telling you right now, when you get it right, when you understand that all of those things you've been told, they're not true. And you need to figure it out for yourself. And so here's my challenge for you this week. I want to challenge you to figure out what a relationship with God is like for yourself. Hey, look, everybody's told you a lot of things, right? And my question for you is, hey, who told you that? What if this is not what God's like at all? And what if you sit down for a moment? And what if you find out that God is actually enjoyable to be around? What if you find out for yourself? Hey, here's a question for you. What if we could just start over? Let's just start over. Let's wipe the whole thing blank, right? Let's find it out for ourselves. So I want to challenge you this week. Look, we're going to make provided for you a study guide, some questions, a little bit more digging into this concept. And I want to challenge you this week to just open up the Bible, spend just a couple minutes of prayer and find out what a real relationship with God is actually like. You ready for 
yourself? What if you find out that you enjoy it? What if you find out it's exactly what your soul needed? What if you find out that your outside was doing okay, but your inside was really unhealthy? And what you needed was to return to a right relationship with God. Hey, I want to do something real quick before we close out this morning. I want to talk to two separate groups of people, but I want to bring us all together as one. Because if you're watching, you're probably going to find yourself in one of two categories. Either you've been following Christ for a while, or maybe this is the first time you've ever actually watched a message in its entirety, and you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with God. Number one, scripture starts with this. It says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then that's how you believe that Christ saved you. That's how you start a relationship with God through Jesus. But for all of us, for all of us, let's start over. Can we do that? As we get ready to start this series, can we just start over with, with, with a blank slate and just write who God is dot, 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 and let's figure it out for ourselves. So, hey, listen, if you've got some questions, again, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. In a minute, we're going to pray. But I want to encourage you that if you'd like any more information, if you'd like somebody to come alongside of you and, and just kind of help you figure this thing out, we've got a number that's going to come up on the screen. And we just want you to text VICTORY18 to that number. Our online ministry team will be able to reach out to you, connect with you, answer any questions you might have, and walk with you through this incredible experience. But hey, it's going to be a great week as we continue to move towards having a healthy soul. Can I pray for you? Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've put inside of us a soul that needs relationship with you. And that soul will always beep. That soul will always yearn to be returned to a right relationship with you. I pray for anybody that's watching right now that they've never accepted you as their savior. I pray that they would believe in their heart and that right now they confess with their mouth that they believe that Jesus died for their sins. I pray for every person that's watching that has a relationship with you, that they've been walking out Christianity for a while. And I pray you bring us all back to the same starting place and that we'd be able to clean off that slate of whatever somebody's told us before, whatever preconceived ideas we've had of what a relationship with you must look like or might look like, and that we would start over as a clean slate. And we'd start asking you and looking to your word what a relationship with you really looks like, what it was like for Adam to have incredible scenery and great food and just to have relationship with his creator. God, bring us back to that place. Let us start today moving forward towards a healthy soul. In your name we pray. Amen.